0: Sneaky Emu, this is episode 128, I believe. We're going to call this one, um, Pronoia. Pronoia? Yeah, let's call it that one. Uh, Welcome to Sneaky Emu, a place where we're going to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God that are ever before us, that sometimes we occasionally overlook and fail to see. Uh, How's it going? I miss you. I miss you. I hope you're doing well. I hope that things are... Uh, trending in your favor. (laughs) And actually, you know what? If not, if not, if things are working against you currently, or you're maybe not in a great place, um, I'm glad you're here because that's kind of what I want to talk about. Yeah, I want to talk about kind of reframing or reshaping our approach to some of the difficulties of life. So that's what we're going to call this Pro-noia. Now, if you don't know what Pronoia, mom, by the way, thanks Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You're, you're a gem. You're a treasure. Hey, I do need to give a shout out to my parents, um, the wonderful and lovely Scott and Rhonda Kane. Uh, they celebrated their 49th wedding anniversary uh, this past week, two weeks ago, something like that. And uh, that's a big deal. 49 years. 49 years. Of um, waking up to the same morning breath every, every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Good for them. Thank you. Thank you for setting an example for us. Um, okay, so now back, back to the things at hand. Uh, pronoia. Do you know what this is? It's, it's, a, it's a word I've recently just come across. It's not a new word. It's just new to me. So maybe you know what it is and you're way ahead of the game. I do not know what it is. Now before I tell you what it is, uh we need to do some sort of a little bit of like back work, a little bit of digging here, okay? So um I want I want to start with uh the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> now, if if you're um if you go to the church and you've been following along with the sermon series we're doing, Really good series uh, that we're calling, that we've called Mountains and Seas and Gardens and Roads. And basically, what it is, is the early Christians, they didn't understand the four gospels the way that we typically read and understand them, right? We typically think that the gospels are like four different stories, four different ways to tell the same story. But the early Christians (coughs) would have understood that these four gospels are actually four different texts written to four separate groups of people dealing with four unique set of sets of historical circumstances. <clears throat> and so when they were arranged, when they were finally all written and put together, they were put together in an order that actually is quite beneficial. Because if you think about it, the book of Mark was the earliest gospel that was written, that <clears throat> that we know of somewhere in the mid 60s CE. And so but in the order, we see Matthew, Mark, even though Matthew would have been written after Mark. So obviously, they're not doing like a timeline order here. They're up to something different. Now, what they would have done is they would have arranged these uh, Gospels in, the, in, in a particular order to help us out. Okay, so here's what I mean. Each Gospel was written to deal with and answer a particular question for a particular group of people. So Matthew is writing to uh, the, the, Antio- the Messianic Jews that have fled to Antioch after the destruction of the temple in 70 CE. And he's dealing with the question of how do we face change? And the metaphor for the Gospel of Matthew is the mountain. Like it's climbing the mountain. It's a tough go. Then you get into the Gospel of Mark. Mark is writing to the Messianic Jews in Rome who have, who are, have just gone through the great fire of, uh, Emperor Nero and are facing great persecution. And he's dealing with how do we face, uh, how do we move through suffering? Uh, John comes next. John deals with how do we receive joy? And then Luke deals with how do we mature in service? Now, if you've been following along at church, uh, this is not going to be a repeat. So this is not recycled material. This is just the setup. Okay. So don't shut it. Don't you dare shut me off. I will come for you. I will find you. Okay. So We've been going through the Gospel of Mark and how do we deal with suffering? And there's a lot of stuff to like process and deal with uh, in that book. But essentially, most everything that Mark is dealing with is how do we move through suffering? And so there's this incredible story in Mark chapter four where you may be familiar with it, where Jesus calms the stormy seas. Right, the disciples and Jesus are on the boat. Um, they go out at night to cross the to cross the the Sea of Galilee. The storm rises up. The disciples freak out. um, Like they, like they think they're gonna die. Jesus is taking a nap in the boat because, like, he's at peace. They wake Jesus up. Hey, do you think? Do you want us to die? Can't you do something? Jesus gets up. He calms the storm. Everything's fine. And then he says, like, "What were you so afraid of? Why do you have so like do Do you have so little faith in in what's happening?" Now, that being said, the the, the idea of the stormy seas in Mark is this metaphor for like life's sufferings, the things we go through, the things we have to endure that, that can be quite difficult, the things that can be quite painful, the things that cause us uh, great concern, that stress us out, that overwhelm us. Um, now, the thing about the difficulty in this moment, and, and kind of this is the message of Mark's gospel, is that... So much of going through difficulty <clears throat> is learning uh, how to, like how to be patient in it. And this is not our natural. This is not our natural desire, is it? We don't want to deal with pain and suffering and uncomfortability, but the reality is, when you look at this, like this fourfold path of the of the gospel pattern. It, the suffering is actually the thing that develops us and helps us to grow, okay? And so the, the other day, I, I was kind of, we had, we had a hurricane come through. Or I use that word in parentheses. A hurricane went by. We didn't feel much of the effects from it, but we did get like a day, at least half a day of like some pretty severe rain, some pretty intense wind, uh, and then it kind of passed us by. We were very fortunate, very, very grateful for that. But I was sitting there thinking at one point our our power had kind of flickered out for just just a couple minutes and it came right back on. But I was sitting there thinking, here we are sitting in our house and there's there's literally like nothing that we can do, (laughs) right? There's not much we can do. We can't go outside. The power's out. We can't put on a show. I mean, you know, obviously we could read or like clean. Like there's stuff you could do, but we're we're kind of in that moment in that moment as the storm is passing as the storm is sitting on top of us th- there's really not much you can do you just kind of have to be you just have to remain where you are you can't fix anything at this moment you can't solve anything you can't jump to some sort of conclusion about how things will go because you don't know how things will go and so in the middle of that storm uh what i realized was that what we were doing this week physically on the day that the kids were home from school because of the uh, hurricane that, that was like the, the exact picture of I think what Mark is trying to teach us in the gospel of Mark that in, in the middle of the storm, when you're in the stormy seas, when you're trapped on this tiny little boat and the storm is raging all around you, the only thing you can really do is just be right. And, and, and this is, where, this is where it gets a bit tricky because it's tough. It's tough for us to do that, isn't it? Because we, we want to bring this difficulty that we're going through to an end. We, we don't see it as an opportunity for growth. We don't see it as the potential for something new to happen. All we see is the hurt and the pain and the suffering that we're dealing with. We, we're looking, simply looking at our problems from like this face value sort of thing. But there's not much that you can really do. And and this is where this is actually where the kind of the growth comes in. This is where we learn to like trust. This is where we learn to 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 exist, to be. Um my my kids and I were watching uh 42. Do you know that movie? Uh the, it's the Jackie Robinson movie with Chadwick Boswick Bos Boswick, May He Rest in Peace. You know, Black Panther, Wakanda, it's that guy. Um 42, it's a really, really good movie. I love that movie. Um, but there's a scene early on, there's a scene early on when, like at the beginning of the movie where the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, I forget his first name, Mr. Ricky, Mr. Ricky is looking for a, a Negro player that he wants to bring into the white, uh, major league baseball. And so he's looking for people and he finds Jackie Robinson and, and a like when they have this first meeting Jackie's standing in his office and Mr. Ricky starts questioning him like you know people people aren't going to like this what are you going to do when they start um hurling insults at you what are you going to do when they start you know sending death threats when when they start teasing and picking when they start you know calling you boy and all sorts of other um you know Terms that I'm not gonna say. Uh, what What are you gonna do in the face of all that? Like, and and so Jackie Robinson said, says, uh, essentially, like, what you you don't want you don't want me to fight back. You don't want me to stand up for myself. And and Mr. Ricky has this great line that I think is exactly sometimes what we need to hear in the middle of the storms. When Jackie says you don't want me to fight back, and and Mr. Ricky says, no no no. He says, I want you have, to have the courage to not fight. I want you to have the courage to not fight. Yeah, because no matter what Jackie does in in, an, in a tent situation, it's always going to be his fault. All right, so I was thinking about this in light of this whole conversation about dealing with the storms and the difficulties of life. And, and this example that we see uh, throughout the Gospel of Mark is that when you look at... Jesus on the cross, the passion story of Jesus in Mark, Jesus isn't he isn't fighting back. He's accepting, he's surrendering to the difficulty and the pain because he knows that on the other side of his death there will be life. On the other side of the death of self there will be life. And so sometimes as difficult and as ridiculous as it may seem, we have to have the courage to not fight back. No, I'm not talking about obviously like, like letting people walk all over you for for no other reason. I'm saying, when you're in the difficulty of 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 a storm, when like things are are really bad, have the courage to remain. Have the courage to not uh, jump to a conclusion to solve it immediately because it may be that that difficulty right there is the very thing that's. Like helping you to grow, right and if you think about through your life, think about the the things that you've been through about where you are now we We've all gone through some things, we've all faced uncertainties, we've all faced insecurities and doubts and dread and and worries, but also as you've gone through that, you have made it to the other side. You've made it to the other side or else you wouldn't be here to talk about it. You've made it through the other side, and along the way. You have learned some lessons. You have learned some things. You have grown. You have hopefully matured. Well, I hope you've learned some lessons. If not, you're missing out. <laughs> if not, you're wasting the pain. and 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 so what we see through the Gospel of Mark is that all along the way, like there's this there's this great story um, when you look at uh, like Peter is one of like the the other main characters in the Gospel of Mark. And what you see in the life of Peter is that he fails a lot. He fails a lot. In fact, there's one of the one of the times where uh Jesus tells Peter, "You'll deny me uh, three times before the rooster crows twice." Mark is the only guy that that highlights the rooster crowing twice. Why is this significant? Well, it's significant because as he's like Jesus is being take arrested and put on trial and taken to the cross. Peter gets identified as being one of his followers. And so this thing starts to happen where he denies he denies Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Mark writes that Peter uh, that Jesus says you will deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. Now think about this. If you are Peter and you're being questioned about Jesus and you deny Jesus once. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I get it. I messed up. But then you hear the first crow of the rooster, wouldn't that be like an alarm or like a warning sign? Like, hey, this thing is happening. You should pay attention. You should make wise decisions in this moment. But then even with the warning, it doesn't stop Peter. Like Peter is in, in such a place of fear that he hears the first crow of the rooster and then still continues to, not, to deny Jesus all three times, right? So, so Peter gets the warning and still is unable to control himself in the face of fear, as he's dealing with the difficulty, as he's dealing with the pressures that come along with being like a follower of Christ. Now <clears throat> now, at the end of that story, it says, Peter denied Jesus three times, and then it says, uh, he remembered the words of Jesus, and then he like he wept, he sat and he wept. okay? So this is like the end. Of, of the story of Peter and the gospel of Mark. We don't hear anything else from him for the rest of the gospel, right? So why 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 is this the ending of his story here? Well, because I think Mark is sending a message to, to the people that he's writing to and he's sending a message to us because uh, the reality is we will all fail. We will all face difficulties and go through trials in this life and we won't always do things right that 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 kind of comes with the territory but that that's part of also how we learn right you you make mistakes you learn from your mistakes and you keep moving forward the interesting thing about peter's whole situation is that even in this big moment when when we have this story of peter's complete failure um is that peter is still one of like the main guys in the scripture peter Peter is one of the great leaders of the faith. Peter eventually went on to die for his beliefs. So Peter in these stories throughout the Gospel of Mark are kind of this representation of us. He, he, he is this great leader of faith, and yet he still struggles. He still denies. He still rejects. He still tries. He, he, he goes out of his way to attempt to avoid the hurt and pain in many of these situations. And yet, he is still one of the great leaders of the faith, one of the great uh, disciples of Jesus, right? So when you look at this stuff, it's like, no, 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 This, this this is part of the journey, right? This is part, and this is the difficulty sometimes in life, is knowing that it's the things that we don't want to go through that, will actually help us to grow, help us to flourish. Um, I've talked about this before as well, I'm sure. But it's the whole idea of like getting in shape, of training the physical body, of trying to build muscle. The way that you build muscle when people lift weights and do push-ups and that sort of thing is that when you do this kind of labor, this kind of work, the, the muscle tendons are actually breaking apart. They're being stripped down. And it's through the healing process that that muscle gets bigger. That That's kind of, it's kind of how this, this whole thing works. It's kind of how this whole thing works. Okay, so now, all of that being said, all of that being said, let me, let me talk about pranoia. Okay, because this is, this is so great. This is what we're leading to. Pranoia is this, is this really interesting idea, again, that I've never heard of before. It's not new. It's just new to me. Um, Pronoia, it's like the opposite of paranoia. Okay. So uh, here's, here's the uh, definition. Thank, shout out to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm sure you could find it somewhere else, but this was my quick search. It says, uh, where a person suffering from paranoia feels that persons or entities are conspiring against them, a person experiencing pronoia believes that the world around them conspires to do them good. Oh, that's that's pretty good, isn't it? Paranoia is the belief that the world around you conspires to do them good. Yeah, now when we're going through the middle of difficulty, when we're go- when things don't seem to be working out, when seems things seem to be working against us, when we can't seem to catch a break, what is our first typical response? Is it, things <laughs> things are out to get me. Why won't this end? How come I can't catch a break? Or is it, oh, this is a part of it, and all of this is working together for my good? In fact, I'm pretty sure the scripture actually says that exact thing. The scripture says, uh that uh, God is working for the good of those who believe in him. Something like that. I'd have to look it up. I didn't look it up. I apologize. It just came to mind. I don't have the whole scripture memorized, guys. Cut me some slack. (laughs) Cut me some slack. But this is kind of the basic idea. And so sometimes I think when it comes comes to how we face uncertainty and fear and difficulty and change and all the things, I think it's interesting that we typically jump to the idea, the conclusion that like something's off or something's wrong or things are just working against us. But when we come to see that it's possible that these difficulties that we face are actually the thing that is like building us, it's helping us to grow, it's helping us to make us stronger, maybe it will actually help us to see that in the difficulties, in the stormy seas of life, maybe it'll help us to see or maybe we will adopt or take on this idea, this word of paranoia. And maybe if we can come to see and understand that things, even when they are bad, may in fact, in the long term, be helping us out. Maybe we'll come to see that even when things are bad, it's actually going to be or lead to someplace good. That That, that, that would be a bit helpful, wouldn't it? That would be a bit helpful when the power goes out because you're sitting in the middle of the hurricane. Like, just be, just remain. Something good will come of this. Yeah, but how do you know? Well, you you don't know exactly what it is. You don't know right away. You don't know how long the storm's going to last. You don't know how long you're going to be in the middle of the stormy seas. You don't know how long the lightning is going to be blasting all around you and the winds howling. And you don't know when, like, how much longer... (laughs) Till till daylight comes, <clears throat> that's the interesting thing about that story, with the disciples on the stormy seas, is that they. Um, it says Jesus uh, at night. Jesus told them to get in the boat. So not only it, at this time, that the Hebrew understanding of like the seas, it, the the understanding of the seas is that that it's a it's a metaphor for like fear and. Uh, fear and death really ultimately they didn't know much about it and so when they get into the boat at night and the seas kicks up yes they know e- morning will eventually come but when you don't have a watch and and the the clouds are or the the skies are clouded and you can't see like where the moon is in the sky and you have no- nothing to orient yourself you're feeling a bit disoriented you have no way to know how much longer it seems like each minute is an hour. You ever been in those situations where it's just like, man, everything, like the end of this difficulty cannot come quick enough, but yet you see no end in sight. It, it's, the, your, your future is is undetermined and all you know in that moment is the fear and the darkness in the middle of the storm. And you're wondering, like, is this thing ever going to end? Yeah, yeah, it will come to an end, but it seems like, it's going to take forever. It seems like it's going to take forever. And so if we could come to see, if we could come to live through the mindset of paranoia, that these things are working for the good, it may help us to believe as we go through it that even though we don't know how long this will last, that eventually it will come to an end and ultimately it will be something that will be beneficial to us maybe it's maybe it's a bit of training maybe it's a bit of teaching maybe it's a bit of learning and the more that we can the more that we go through the storms and the more that we get to the other side we make it through the more we make it through that storm like the the more confidence we have for the next one we face right like that's the thing you've made it this far that that that's an interesting phrase i think we would do well to keep in mind to just tuck it away into your pocket when you find yourself wrestling when you find yourself struggling yeah, but I've made it this far, right? There, there were things in your not-so-distant past that you were really, really worried and worked up about. There were things that you didn't know how you would make it through it. There were things that you got got really bothered by, really stressed out about, really fearful of, wondering how you would make it through. And guess what? You did. You made it, and you're still here, right? Like maybe keep that in mind Maybe maybe get that tattooed on your forearm or forehead so you could look at it in the mirror. That'd be weird. But on your forehead, like, I've made it this far. I've made it this far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you will. You will continue to make it. And you will learn and you will grow from that difficulty. So if I maintain a mindset of paranoia, then I'm going to believe that the world around me conspires to do me good. I'm going to live with the belief that even in this difficulty, something good will come of it. And that gives me the confidence and the hope and the comfort to know that as I am facing these difficulties, that in the end, as I move forward, this is actually ultimately something that will be beneficial for me, right? Imagine if you could like live with this continually, to live with this mindset. This is why I really like this word, that the world around me is conspiring to do good. Did I say that right? Right that the world around them conspires to do them good. Like, what if we could actually come to the belief that this whole thing is tilted in your favor, even when it feels like it's not? What if we could come to see and live with the idea that, that the universe, that God, has created this thing in such a way that I can't really lose? even though it may feel like it some days, but what if what if I came to actually believe that? Don't you think that that would help you in a, an immense amount as you move through the stormy seas of life? Yeah, it's conspiring to do you good. Yeah, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah, 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 but hang in there. Have the courage to hang in there. Have the courage to remain. Have the courage to sit in the middle of the storm and just be and to trust that something in this is something in this will bring some good for you? Will bring some good to you, right? When you when you when you look at the story of creation, what you see is that everything that God created, uh, He gave the ability to create more of itself. What you see in the story of creation is the Creator creating creation with the ability to create, right? And when you look at, like, in Romans chapter 1, I believe, it talks about how, like, like, uh, like the nature and character of God is put on display through what we see. So the nature and character of God is put on display through God's creation, which is to say that if creation is able to create and produce more of itself, if creation is, like, generous, it, it's generous with itself, then to me, that speaks to the generosity, the benevolence and generosity of God. Like we live in a benevolent and generous universe. And if I understand that that is like the starting point of the scripture, this is how the scripture talks about this whole thing got started. It starts from a place of love and generosity and benevolence. So if I understand that, then of course the whole thing is working, is conspiring to do me good because that's how this whole thing works the whole thing is tilted in your favor right and and what a beautiful way to to what a beautiful lens through which we can view the world and everything that we're facing so that when i do find myself in the stormy seas i may come to see that oh this this there may be there, there's something here for me there's something here for me i think we've actually used that line before like like as as a, like a mantra or just a thought to keep with us there's something here for me. There's something in this for me. right? The stuff that we face, that we endure is not pointless. It is not useless. It doesn't mean it's not painful. It just means that there's something that you will gain, something that you will learn, something that you will find either in the middle of a difficulty or just on the other side of it that will bring something to your life, bring something to your being that will help you to grow and mature as you move forward in this life so that the next time you come into the stormy seas, like, you you might have a better handle on it, a better grip on it. You've made it this far. The whole thing is working for you. It's all tilted in your favor. Pranoia. It's all conspiring to do you good. Huh. It's almost like if we could understand that, man, that would... That, that would really do something for us, wouldn't it? I don't have it figured out yet. I don't have it all figured out. And, and like you, I assume, I struggle when things seem to be not going in my direction, <laughs> when things seem to be working against me. But I'm working on it. And I, and I want to live from this place of paranoia. I, I want to see things, see the things that everyone else seems as negative, as something that's actually beneficial to my overall growth. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's call it there for a day. Pranoia. Such a good word. Such a great word. Maybe write that down. Maybe take it with you. It's the world around you conspires to do you good. Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, let's just call it there. Let's call it a day there. Let's call it a day there. Thank you guys so much for being here. <clears throat> Mom, thanks for listening. This has been the Sneaky Emu, a place where we're going to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God that are ever before us that sometimes we fail to see and overlook. In this kind of a perfect example of, of that, by the way, that we often get caught up in thinking that the bad things are just bad. But maybe the God who is ever before us is using the thing that we think is bad to help us grow. He's using it for the good. Yeah. All right. I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. God bless. We'll talk to you later. We're here to unlock of the church and the state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill.